Welcome back, everyone, to the Real Japan podcast, the weekly podcast where we bring you news items from Japan. I am one of the hosts, Kenzo. And I am Feck. And this week, as we do every week, we'll pick out some articles and talk about them. And hopefully, you guys can find that interesting. But uh, before we jump into that, we'd like to talk about what we were doing for the past week or so. So, uh, Furry, if you want to go first. Yes, sir. So, I actually already mentioned this to you in a previous conversation we had, but I thought our listeners might be interested here, even though it's not really Japan-related. Recently, for my keyboard, I got blank keycaps so they don't have the letters printed on them, and I'm hoping that this will improve my typing. So how's it working for you? I mean, are you liking it or? It's working okay, thanks so far. Yeah, the the symbols are the big sort of like stumbling block for me. If I don't get a symbol on the first try, I normally find myself, you know, tapping all the keys in the general yeah. area where I know it is to try and find it. Do you use a, a Japanese keyboard layout or do you use the English? A Japanese keyboard oh, layout. I see. I see. So. Yeah, for listeners that aren't aware, the Japanese layout is slightly different. I mean, like the keyboards themselves, if you buy a keyboard in Japan, has the buttons are slightly different because they have buttons to convert it from, you know, like from typing English text to Japanese text. But yeah. even if, but then also you have like the layout is different as well, right? So, right. Some things like the at mark is one I always get mixed up on. That's in a different place on there. Japanese keyboard, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Just there's a few little things swapped around, isn't there? Yeah, I I hate it personally, which is why I <laughs> I, I always buy buy um because you you can still buy like uh, normal uh, U.S. English layouts as well. You so, can, yeah. Yes, so I, I just buy those. Do you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, just yeah, I just I do certainly recommend like the thing is for me personally a few years ago i got like a mechanical keyboard despite sort of working with computers for you know my day-to-day job is sitting in front of a computer and it has been that way for many years Mm. despite that i never really paid that much attention to like the environment that i was kind of working in i was like well if i have a screen and some keyboard it's good enough but buying this good decent keyboard a few years ago was I thought it was expensive at the time but it's one of the best purchases I think I've made I definitely recommend it to any like even these days you know you could be a teacher or something but spend a few hours a day planning lessons in front of a computer I think mm-hmm. if you if any significant part of your work involves using a computer I highly recommend to to listeners to kind of you know think about that and maybe get some decent peripherals I know it's something you have been a bit maybe a bit more wise to than me probably yeah i'm i'm all about yep getting the uh getting a nice keyboard nice mouse you know nice monitor monitors mm. because um you know it's something you use every day so you you might as well make it something something nice yes sir yeah. certainly and just quickly before we move on have you so in Japan, there's like, mm. for listeners, there's two main methods of typing, right? One is where, like, say if you have a Japanese character, you kind of spell it out in English letters 
and then convert it. Right, yeah. And there is a, another method of typing, right, that I've never really got into, where it's sort of like direct uh, kana input. Oh, yeah, yeah. Where mm-hmm. The different keys have different Japanese um, different Japanese characters, I suppose you would say, or sounds associated with them, and you press them directly. Yeah, have yeah. you ever got got into that? No, I, I've tried it a couple of times, but it's just so slow. Is I, I, well, it? I mean, because, because I'm not used to it, right? I mean, if I stuck with it, then, I mean, I, I assume, you know, I would eventually get to a decent speed. Mm. But, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It is just it, doesn't. Is one method supposed to be faster than Well, the other? because, you know, if you're, cause, uh, you know, if, if you're typing it out in, in Romachi, right, if you're kind of spelling yeah. it out in English, yeah, like on average, right, it's going to be two keystrokes per letter because it's like, you know, ka, right, it's ka, so you got to type ka. But if you if it was direct, if you want to type ka, you just hit it's one keystroke. Yeah. So I guess it would be twice as fast. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like in theory, mm-hmm. but. But then you kind of run into the, the issue of, and this is kind of why I, I was just like, screw it. Um, because English, because you, know, you got 26 letters, um, you know, yep. plus your symbols and whatnot and numbers. But but in Japanese, there's what, like 40, how many other 40s? Yeah. 43? The basic sounds. Yeah. So you got a lot, your hands have a lot more area to cover because, you know, mm-hmm. there's one for each key. So I mean that so that's gonna slow it down a bit because your hand has to move more. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know, but I yeah, I've no I've known people that have used done done it the direct way and. Oh really? Yeah, yeah, and uh, and uh, from what they tell me, it's like like once you get get down with it, it it is faster. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, maybe I'll look into it. But like you said, I don't know, just the barrier to kind of entry, I think, mm-hmm, is is mm-hmm. a little bit high for me right now. Yeah. The, yeah. It is, and it and it does in my experience as well. The vast majority of Japanese people use a sort of normal typing method, I would say. Right? Mm-hmm, the conversion mm-hmm. method yeah, these days. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, sorry about that. Went off on a bit of a tangent. But how was your uh your past week? Uh my past week I I went out for some drinks, despite the the COVID ravaging the nation. Mm. In Yorinomachi. Yeah, yeah. The nightlife. Mm-hmm, the one we like to talk about so much on here. Oh, dear. Um, <laughs> yes, sir. I know. I don't think I got infected. That's good. Yeah. But it was interesting to see that, um, you know, aside from the masks, I mean, everything was just as packed. As it was uh, back during normal times, so it looks like people are, and, and maybe that's part of the reason why there's this kind of been a recent uptick in numbers. Yeah, uh, yeah, hit, yeah, hitting record highs because yeah, I think people are like more now than ever. They're just like screw it, you know, <laughs> like I'm just gonna go go out when I feel like it, and. You know, yes. Granted, they wear the masks, but but like once once you get into the establishment, the masks come off. 
and and that's where the people are packed together. So, you know, you got to wonder like how much, how how much of a purpose the masks have at that point. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. So there wasn't social distancing in place within the actual, you know, the bar or the, mm. the izakaya. No, you no, there's mm. no. I, I think it, as far as social distancing in like restaurants is concerned, I think probably maybe uh, Western nations are a bit more prudent about that. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah because there is, I mean, there's many different types of izakaya and restaurant and things in Japan, but many of the sort of lower end ones mm-hmm. you are quite packed in aren't you and it's and it's quite fun usually in normal times isn't it to be in that kind of slightly somewhat sort of cheap and down and kind of like under the railway yeah tracks yeah. kind of and, and, and just the the, place, the crowded but... nature of it you know kind of encourages people to to mingle right so it can be yeah it can be interesting you know you talk to people you wouldn't normally talk to and yeah, yeah it's fun but uh yeah like one of the places i went to was it was kind of one of those types you know and uh it uh it seated maybe i don't know 10 10 people i would say yeah and there were about 10 people in there wow yeah. sitting elbow to elbow uh, almost i mean it, i think it was a bit there, there was a bit of room in between people mm. But yeah, yeah, it was uh, yeah, it was pretty crowded. Wow. Well, let's mm. hope you don't get the COVID, eh? Yeah, let's hope so. Yeah. Well, seeing as how that's a good segue, shall we mm-hmm. move straight on to our news roundup, and in particular the coronavirus numbers? Yeah. Because as you sort of mentioned quickly, then we have been seeing the highest numbers ever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, lately in the 24 hours leading up to 9:45 a.m. on the 10th of December there were 2973 new cases of coronavirus in Japan that brought the total up to 172558 cases the uh, high that was the highest number ever of new cases recorded in Japan there were also uh, 26 deaths and the figure I just mentioned the uh, 2,973 new cases includes uh, 602 new cases in Tokyo which is the first time that we have ever seen uh, more than 600 cases in Tokyo so just looking at the numbers as you kind of alluded to there it is quite worrying but despite that the sense of nervousness among the population seems to have definitely kind of decreased Mm, i would say yeah for sure and that you know that those two factors could be linked couldn't they as you said maybe precisely because people aren't feeling so nervous yeah anymore they've started to go out and that is spreading the virus Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. although there was a study um done i think it was by researchers at maybe the University of Tokyo and like the University of California sort of tying up maybe. Uh-huh. But they found that the incidence of COVID-19 is higher among people who participated in the go-to travel campaign. So mm. that, so the go-to travel campaign where you get discounts for traveling uh, around Japan yeah. introduced in a kind of effort to prop up the, the tourism uh, industry. 
may be contributing to the spread of COVID-19 as well. Yeah, I don't doubt it. Mm. Yeah. Certainly we are in worrying times. Where do you see it going from here? Do you think I don't know. That's uh mm. especially because you know, the weather's getting colder. I guess I guess it's been relatively warm. I think we talked about that uh in our last episode, but I mean once once it really starts getting cold, then I think that's when uh it might bump it up a notch again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I don't know, like in, in over here, like in the Western media, you know, everyone's, you know, like celebrating the, the vaccine, right? It's get, finally gotten approved, like in the UK and uh, the US mm. and people are going to start, you know, getting their shots. Um, I, like what what's going on over here with that? Like, I don't really see yeah. it in any, any of the news, like when, when they're going to start over here. Or like even like how their if their approvals are underway or like no I mean as we sort of mentioned in our news roundup a few weeks ago Suga did come out and say that Japan is going to secure kind of more than enough vaccine to give everybody in the mm-hmm, country mm-hmm. Uh, a free dose but um, you are right the the coverage of it is somewhat is a little bit more muted here for some reason isn't it. Yeah, I don't under- the, understand. The and big uh, celebration. Yeah, they don't um like there hasn't been any mention of of which vaccine mm. that they're going to get over yeah. here because there's you know there's a couple of different ones. Yeah. Well, I think they were going to buy a, a few different ones. Oh, oh, were they? they? Yeah, I think no, they so. Said... Yeah, but But you are right. It is kind of interesting. You know, I'm sure Japan as a kind of rich developed nation will be looking out for the best interests of its citizens yeah but the thing that worries me is because the manufacturer like japan doesn't have any of its own manufacturing Mm. in place for for the vaccine because they've all been developed by you know western companies yeah and so uh, you got to think well i like just take take the was it the pfizer one Mm. for example i mean so that's in the u.s and you know the u.s is gonna get its shit taken care of first, you know, be, before it sends any overseas. So it makes you wonder what the the timing is. Like, when is Japan going to get their shipment? Yeah, certainly, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, I did also quite strongly get the impression, like a few months ago, that the Japanese government was really hoping a Japanese company... <laughs> yeah, uh, right. Would, come up with a vaccine but obviously that hasn't happened yeah a, a bit optimistic there yeah well there was a lot of talk about using uh, avigan right for oh, which is yeah. used to treat like this avian influenza mm-hmm, maybe mm-hmm. using that for uh covid19 mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, f- I forgot i'm sorry i don't have the name of it offhand but i've forgotten who the manufacturer of that is but it's a japanese pharmaceutical company isn't it but, yeah, I think they put too much. That hasn't uh, panned out. They kind of put no. all their eggs in the Avigan basket, and uh, yeah, that didn't didn't pan out. Yeah. Oh well. So coronavirus, mm-hmm. worrying times indeed. Yeah, let's just get the vaccine. Yes, sir. Once, I mean, hopefully, you know, this twenty twenty one, we will see the whole coronavirus saga finally 
brought to an end. Yeah, hopefully, yeah, hopefully it'll be the year of the vaccine and we can all go back to normal. Yes, sir, that would be wonderful. Mm-hmm. So just the other story in our news uh, roundup. Uh, NTT Docomo, the largest mobile carrier in Japan, um, sort of associated with the uh, NTT, like the Nippon, uh, what is it, Nippon Telegraph? Telegraph and, yeah, Nippon Telegraph and Telephone Corporation. Yeah. yeah. Um, kind of like the, you know, those two companies are like the major companies in terms of land lines and uh, mobile with NTT Docomo being the mobile side. Mm-hmm, yeah. And they introduced a new plan for their uh, mobile users offering 20 gigabytes of data per month for 2,980 yen uh, plus tax. And, you know, it might seem a bit like, well, a new mobile plan, so what? But this is quite interesting, isn't it, for a number of reasons? The plan is called Ahamo. Well, I don't know where they came up with that name. (laughs) (laughs) I keep on accidentally typing Ahomo. Yeah. Aho is like... Mm. Aho is like a big dummy. You know, it's, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly right. But this aham ahamo is uh, it's at two thousand nine hundred and eighty yen. It's about half, or a little less than half, the price of most of the what would you call them, like the standard plans, I suppose, on the major carriers. Yeah, and it's, also, standard... it's also worth noting too that the price includes unlimited phone calls under five minutes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And also 5G connectivity right, yeah, as well, Yeah, there's right? no well, extra fee for using the 5G, yeah. Where it is available. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, apparently, so the other two major carriers, uh, KDDI or AU, they will offer a similar service for 3,980 yen, whereas SoftBank, uh, under their Yahoo mobile brand, will offer a kind of similar service for 4,480 yen. So neither of them, it seems, are quite able. I'm sure they were desperate to get the price down to mm. probably to, to line up with with Docomo. As we've talked about before, they do seem to kind of like just try and keep everything sort of more or less roughly in line, don't they? But Yeah, yeah, they, guessing, they try, yeah. I'm guessing they haven't been able to, they've just looked at the numbers and, and thought they can't do that. It's too much for them. Yeah, it's uh, it's also should be mentioned that because so NTT recently merged with NTT Docomo because they used to be separate. Com- they used to be the same company, and then Docomo was mm-hmm. the mobile unit was spun off in its own company, and then now they're merging back together. Yes, and, and there has been a yeah because NTT is because and that company back in the day was was owned. It was a state controlled company but that but mm. that was uh that went public uh you know a couple of decades ago and so now so even to this day ntt still more or less has a monopoly on landline phones and a pretty controlling market share of like fiber optic lines for for internet use and so now with you pretty much got the landline monopoly company merging with the largest mobile carrier, and and so yeah, I mean, you you got a 
you got to think that there's going to be a lot of like it allows them to keep their costs down because they have a monopoly on on other aspects of the communications infrastructure which is which is probably why they can make it so cheap and the other companies can't yes certainly and there has been a lot of kind of comments from other people in the mobiles uh, in the telecommunications sorry industry that you know about fears that this could be a sort of like monopoly type situation that where other companies simply can't compete Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. especially now because like every company you know is they're uh they're spending a lot of money to build their 5g networks and if they're not going to be making any money, then they're not going to be able to invest, and it's going to create this vicious cycle, right? Yes, certainly. Yeah. I mean, on the face of it, at the moment, it seems to be good for consumers. It seems like this uh, Docomo's move here may be in response to the Suga administration's kind of push, which has been a big part of their agenda for mobile carriers mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. lower their fees. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, most uh, like I think the average kind of fees on the big carriers, not on the budget carriers, which are like the you know they don't have their own networks; they use the yeah, other the, uh, the big carriers networks, the, the MVNOs as they're called. Yeah, exactly, and they do that to offer sort of more budget friendly mm-hmm, uh, plans. Mm-hmm. But on the big carriers, I think the average price of the average monthly price for a user in japan is typically around eight thousand yen right yeah around yeah. eighty dollars they have been caused to to push that down so it's it's quite interesting it's been a bit of a a bit of a kind of shake-up in the industry hasn't it i suppose this the docomo's announcement oh yeah i mean this is going to be huge mm. yeah so for anyone living here that's interested in signing up for that Although we are not corporate shills, uh, <laughs> apparently so. they're going to start offering it in uh, was it March or or April, something like that. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So mm. yeah, go go look it up. Yes, sir. So okay, um, I guess that does it for the roundup. Yes, sir. All right, so we'll move into the main stories. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll I'll keep mine rather short. Uh, mine's kind of a, a two part thing uh okay the first part is uh, toyota japan's largest auto manufacturer uh, i think the largest in the world right i think i think volkswagen group is the largest in the world oh is it okay. yeah mm. yeah but mm. but in any case they're yeah but i think they're number two global number two um okay and are they the largest company in japan sorry to keep oh by market cap i probably yeah yeah, I would, yeah. I would think so. Yeah. Well, huge company anyway. Yeah. Big time. You know, but anyway, why? they uh they announced a new version of their Mirai car, which is it's a Japan only vehicle, but I believe it was the world's first uh, mass production fuel cell vehicle, so it runs on hydrogen. And yeah, it's uh, it was first released, I believe, uh 6 or 7 years ago. And it's the first time they're, uh, you know, kind of redoing it, redesigning it from the ground up. And it's going to retail for about 7 million yen, which is, it's a bit, it's a bit high, I think, for, uh, 
for a domestic vehicle. I mean, that's kind of, you know, luxury European vehicle price range. Certainly. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's not going to be a huge seller, but they they were successful in bringing down the price compared to the, the first generation. So they're they're trying to work their way down to make it more affordable. And if you uh, if you get the government subsidies and all that, then it does bring the price down to I think the mid fives. So yeah, you know, fi- it's, yeah, five million, five and a half million, something like that. Yeah, that kind of price range. It's still expensive, but you mm-hmm. are catching like the sort of more, you know, like well-to-do middle-class people might consider a, yeah a car in that price yeah. range. Um, so certainly, I I think it's a real interesting car. Um, mm. I, like if, if it was, you know, a bit cheaper, I might even, you know, consider it when when the time comes to get a new car, because yeah. uh, there are there are hydrogen stations like here and there, you know. I mean, there's still mm. you know, very few and far between, but I've 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 seen them around. And how does it work? Is is hydrogen cheaper for the consumer? Then yeah gasoline. yeah I, I believe so yeah yeah it yeah. must be right because you know obviously they don't have to get it out of the ground mm-hmm. and because uh, you know like electric cars I mean that's like the the cool thing right now mm. but mm. Uh, just the thing for me is and and I think it, it's gotten better right with the newer generations of of charging but it still takes maybe you know half an hour right where you just kind of kind of wait around. Yeah, certainly. And I mean, that is fine if you're just using it for commuting and things because mm-hmm. you can just charge it overnight each night at mm-hmm, your home. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as you say, if you're going on a big trip or say if you're like a salesperson and you you need to drive a lot for your job, then, yeah, all that time spent waiting for the charging could add up, certainly. Yeah. So, yeah, the cool thing about the hydrogen is uh, it's more or less the same as gasoline as far as, uh, you know, fueling up. You just go, you pull up to the station, there's a little hose, and you jam it in the hole on your car, and, you know, a minute or two later, you're off on your way. Yeah, and do they just emit steam, is it? Or, I think or it, like, water vapor? Yeah, I think water, yeah, that's 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 the only byproduct, yeah. yeah. And, and the interesting thing about the Mirai, too, was, uh, so it has, uh, you know, air filters, but it actually filters the air you know, around the vehicle, not just the air oh, inside. Oh, interesting. So, so like one of their marketing things is like the first like negative emissions vehicle because it's it's actually cleaning the air as it, you know, as it goes down the road. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's that's kind of a cool approach. Yeah, negative emissions. Yeah, that is. Yeah, it, yeah, certain, yeah negative emissions. That is yeah. great, isn't it? I mean, I suppose you just have to hope that it doesn't blow up underneath you, right? Yeah, yeah, because those the <laughs> it's under a lot of pressure, the hydrogen. But uh, yeah. I don't know. Supposedly, they uh, they have safety systems in place so it doesn't blow up. But yeah, let's let, let's hope they don't blow up. So uh, yeah, in uh, so in in that vein. Uh, the Tokyo government has announced that by 2030, it will not allow sales of gasoline vehicles. Wow. And as we were talking about just before we started recording, that is 
quite ambitious, right? No gasoline vehicles by 2030. Yeah, because it's more or less 2021, right? As we as we record this, so yep. nine years. Nine years. You know, what I mean, is that like I, I don't I don't see that happening, but hey, you know, maybe I guess no. I mean, I think yeah, gasoline vehicles are just too built into the infrastructure, right? To, mm-hmm. Yeah, for it to change that suddenly. I mean, I suppose they're still saying no new gasoline vehicles, uh, right? Right. So right. Yeah, you'll still have gasoline vehicles on the road, but and you know, you can you could just go to like the neighboring prefecture, right, to buy your car, mm. right? I mean, it's not yeah. like, not like yeah. it's that hard. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, we'll 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 see where that goes, but I. I think it's more of a just uh, because that's like that's the cool thing right now for the governments around the world to to say right it's like oh you know no more gasoline vehicles you know I mean I think it's it's kind of a movement over in Europe and then you know California is uh, you know kind of said something similar although I think I think in California it was like twenty thirty five or something like that but but yeah I mean yeah, yeah but I mean that's like the cool thing to say right now. So I feel like they're just jumping on the bandwagon and they haven't really thought it through. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm not I'm not a gearhead, a petrol head maybe like you, but mm-hmm. so I don't really understand how the mechanics of it all work, but electric vehicles are different to how like internal combustion engines work, right? Like besides having a battery, they Yeah, they're know. they're very simple cars. I mean, there's mm. not a whole lot of moving parts, you know, so you know, pre- presumably yeah. their uh, the reliability is better. Yeah, you know? and is is if are the fuel cell vehicles in that regard? Are they more similar to like an electric vehicle, or are they more, or are they more closer to like how the? I don't know. I get, I get the feeling they're, they're just with they're kind of like a happy medium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's definitely more going on than just charging a battery. Yeah, yeah. So you know, it's probably a bit more complicated than uh, electric, but. Mm. But yeah, internal combustion. I mean, there's so much going on in those engines, and, and yeah, just you yeah. know, just the entire vehicle in general. Yeah, that I'm sure fuel cell vehicles are a bit simpler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So It'll be interesting to see what happens, eh? Yeah, we'll see how that pans out. But I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm hoping they don't because I, I like me an an internal combustion engine. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's good to have the option, I guess. It's just the environmental considerations, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, yep. That's my bit. Uh, good stuff. All right, so moving quickly on. Uh, the story I want to talk about today is another alleged uh, incident of uh, power, har- power harassment at a Japanese company. This is a term that has become widely used in the past well for quite a while now perhaps the past 10 years or so mm, yeah yeah and it refers to uh you know abuse of kind of junior employees by more yeah. senior employees basically abusive bosses exactly exactly yeah. and you know it, it's kind of like a variation of like sexual harassment which would be sekuhara for mm-hmm, sure in mm-hmm. japanese yeah and then that has turned into all these different kinds of hara Power Harrow is the one we're going to talk about today. Mm-hmm. And just quickly, just before we jump into this, for listeners that aren't aware, like Japan has kind of like a very strict sort of seniority. Um, like, how would you 
call it, companies in Japan sort of work very much around seniority. So senior employees have a lot of say over yeah. junior employees. Yeah, and I think it's kind uh, of embedded in the culture as well. You know, res- respect, yeah, respect yeah. your elders kind of thing. Yes, exactly, mm. yes. And like, you know, even when kids are in school and they're doing their after school and uh, clubs and things, the older kids in the clubs, you know, will kind of have the authority to boss around the younger yeah, kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So from These a kind yeah, of, from a very young age, uh, people in Japan are kind of taught how, you know, people who are older than you are, you know, almost uh, superior to you. So respect them. Exactly, right? So yeah. sometimes you get these stories, like what we're about to talk about today, where it's like in the West you'd be, well, why on earth did they put up with that? But, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's a bit of the cultural background for you. So this is based on a, a story in another story in good old Bunshin, a bit of a tabloid story. So, uh, you know, who knows what is really going on. But apparently, Seigo Miyagi, the president of CASA, has been a little bit mean to his some of his uh, employees. Oh, he's a meanie. A uh, meanie. Uh, CASA was founded in 2013. It acts as a kind of guarantor to, um, you know, uh, for people wanting to, like, rent apartments and things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's a big company. They've got about 300 employees. They're listed I, on the first section of the Tokyo Stock Exchange. Oh wow! And it has okay. a, mm, it does. It has a somewhat interesting history. Actually, it was uh, in two thousand and eight. The pre its predecessor company it's called Replus. Uh, they uh, for which this guy Miyagi also worked. Uh, mm-hmm. They went bankrupt, oh. and mm, an investment company uh, stepped in to kind of take over and to found a like a kind of successor company i suppose you would say yeah inheriting yeah. a lot of those assets and at that time uh miyagi Seigo miyagi who's now the uh president of casa he became the the president of that successor company mm-hmm. and then in in so that was in 2008 and in 2010 that company was renamed casa which is the company that we have today casa is in like house in Spanish, right? Yeah. Mi casa es tu casa. Mm, exactly. Um, and it listed on the Tokyo Stock Exchange in 2017. Apparently Miyagi, who, uh, Miyagi, sorry, who's from Kagawa in Shikoku, uh, he holds around 18% of the company, making him worth around uh, 3 billion yen, 30 million US dollars. So okay. he's doing all right for himself. Doing okay. Now, apparently, according to this uh, article, he <laughs> has a bit of a habit of kind of chewing out uh, employees in the company. And yeah. in particular, this article talks about a quite a senior uh, member of staff at CASA who was in their 50s. He was top guy in the sales department and he was also a director of the company. Uh-huh. So we're talking really, yeah, he's, you know. Yeah, he's up there. He's up there, certainly. But he's still uh, below our, our boy uh, Miyagi, right? On the totem pole. Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly right. And apparently Bunshin got hold of a recording of about five hours of Miyagi <laughs> sort of chewing this guy For out. For five hours? 
Five hours. Oh, yeah. I will wow. go into the specific details behind that, but just some general examples. Apparently, apparently, this is all allegedly. You know, it's it's based on this Bunchen article's side of the story. But he would shout at employees who didn't achieve their um, their results, their uh, kind of target mm. target sales targets and things, saying th- <laughs> things like "curio durable." Which is like a stealer of your salary, you know. Right. So you don't deserve their not pulling salary. your weight. So give. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Give us back the money. Uh-huh. And on uh, on, you know, it told one story of how, uh, you know, the company paid bonuses as is common with companies in Japan. Yeah. And on like the day after the bonuses were deposited in employees' bank accounts, the employees were all supposed to. Um, you know, line up outside the the president's office and and go and and thank him. And one employee didn't did, <laughs> didn't do that. Yeah, didn't thank him, and he he got kind of shouted at for by Miyagi for not doing that. So he actually kept track of who came to say thank you. <laughs> That's the thing I thought. Right? Yeah, like he had like it's a little he had funny. a checklist with all the employees, <laughs> and he ticked them off as they walked in. Yeah, I mean, it's it seems that way. I guess I don't know. Well, somehow he 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 found out. Sounds sounds like he's not pulling his weight. I mean, I, I think he has more important matters to attend to. Exactly right. But anyway, so this uh, former director who's actually left the company now, but mm. this guy who is not named, uh, we'll call him A, as he is called in the article. And he yeah. seems to have suffered particularly uh, hard at the hands of Miyagi. It oh, seems no. like he was a bit, a bit of a kind of mild character, mm. you know, not someone who argued back uh, easily. And this seems to have kind of made him a bit of a target for Miyagi, according to the article. Yeah, yeah, uh, I know the type. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So apparently, he had. You know, he'd kind of had enough of, of being picked on by Miyagi and he decided to quit in June of this year and he handed in mm-hmm. his notice. Yeah. And when he when he did so, uh, Miyagi told him to he would need to pay around thirty million yen, three hundred thousand uh, US dollars roughly. Yeah. To settle it. And also to give up um the sort of 70 million yen, 700,000 uh, US dollars worth of shares in the company that this director hold, held. So I'm, I'm I mean, sure that's not that... legal. <laughs> exactly. Well, it seems like this director thought the same thing because yeah. he went and uh, immediately spoke to a lawyer. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And uh, he started recording things. Oh, because I of see. That. I see. Yeah, yeah. And that's how they got this recording. And the five-hour incident in question. So what happened was uh, Miyagi kind of called a meeting with six officers at the company, six senior people. And he accused A uh, of turning nasty, kind of turning against the company for getting a lawyer involved. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And <laughs> this kind of like seems to have sort of like uh, sent a over the edge, perhaps, because yeah. you know after after suffering, at and, the hands and, of and he was going to be quitting anyway, right? 
Yeah, exactly, yeah. right? And then Miyagi was telling him he was the one that was turning nasty. Yeah. So he sort of grabbed his chest or grabbed him by the lapels, uh, Miyagi. But then when he, you know, and he said, like, kind of, you know, who, <laughs> who's, who's something roughly like, you know, who's the one, who's the one getting nasty? Yeah. And. Oh, so who grabbed who? You know, the A, A grabbed Miyagi. Oh, okay, okay. Wow, that's so then good. the other, that, that's not good. He's, yeah. hurt, he's, he's hurt his case there, certainly. So then uh, the other officers kind of got involved and grabbed him and, and pulled him off. Mm. Uh, and then this five-hour tirade started, you know, with, and, it, and it's been recorded and listened to by, by good old Bunshin, apparently. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Miyagi was, you know, shouting all kinds of things at A, you know, when these other officers were present as well, yeah. telling him things like, you know, it'll get scary. Don't don't mess with me. Oh boy! And you know, Miyagi. Uh, sorry, A said he was going to. He was going to go to the police. Uh huh. And Miyagi said, uh, Miyagi said he, as in Miyagi himself. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Was you know he was crazy and A shouldn't mess with him. These obviously this is all like my rough translations of uh, things in Japanese, very colloquial things. Yeah. He said A would be better off jumping in front of a train. <laughs> and, and, and Miyagi also uh, said, apparently, that he, he was kind of friends with many guys. Guys is the word like tomogara. It's kind of like, um, you know this word, right? It's sort of, it kind of, basically the implication is that he has like, Sort of yakuza friends, yeah, I suppose yeah, you'd yeah. say. I, I was, I was waiting for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's kind of like that always comes out in these arguments, doesn't it? Eventually, yeah. it's like yeah, eventually know, it boils down to I know some scary yeah. people. Yeah, like someone says they're going to go to the police, and then the other one says, you know, either they they have police connections, right? I mean, that's one of the things, yeah. or yeah, they got organized crime connections. So don't mess with me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. And, um, you know, obviously, I mean, if he did say that, then it's obviously not appropriate for the kind of president of a listed company yeah. to say, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's very strict rules in Japan about being associated with a so organized crime group. Yeah, 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 for sure. And, you know, after this kind of uh, five hour tirade, it was finally class dismissed. And it's like, okay, it, you can go uh, home now. <laughs> exactly, right. And A, so he handed in his notice in June, and that was when all this happened. Then he actually left the company in July the following month. Mm, right, gave us a one-month notice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, <laughs> so then Miyagi went to the police for because A had, like, kind of grabbed him, um, you know. Right, right, right. And said it, it was violence, I guess, assault it would be. Yeah. And... But interestingly enough, he didn't go to the police until October. And now this former director is waiting to see whether he will be charged with any crimes. Mm-hmm. And when this former director went to Vinshin and gave them this interview and gave them these recordings and things. Yeah. Vinshin uh, sort of called up the company and asked, you know, started asking the company questions, Casa. 
and they actually got to go and speak to people at the company. They didn't. They did speak to Miyagi briefly on the phone, but he didn't tell them any anything useful. Right. But they when they went to the company and had like an in person interview, they spoke to uh, a number of senior people, including a corporate auditor at the company. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> and yeah, just the final thing in this story. Uh, apparently, the people they spoke to said they accepted that Miyagi has said those things to A, which I guess they couldn't deny if they had a recording. Yeah. But they said there was no problem from a compliance perspective. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay then. Case closed. Case closed. And in fact, they went so far as to say, according to the article, that the fact that Miyagi speaks roughly all right, yeah, yeah. Is conversely a sign that we can trust him. Right. Basically, he's uh, like uh, the Donald Trump, right? He, <laughs> he speaks his mind, so it's all good. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, I don't know. I guess maybe just a toxic culture that comes. Oh, yeah, it seems that way. Mm. Yes, uh, I mean, we're running on a bit, so we'll yeah. tie it up there. So, but... uh, yeah, that was a, a fun little romp through uh, more shitty corporate culture. Yes, uh, which, uh, not the first example of atrocious power horror in Japan, and yeah, uh, I'm uh, sure. Unfortunately, you know, I think it, it kind of speaks volumes that, uh, you know, although we kind of find it amusing and whatnot, it, uh, like none of that really surprises me. It's like, yeah, that sounds about right, you know. Oh, yeah, and I mean, you know, if, if this is true if there really was that kind of culture at the company i'm sure it was hell for like you know the people Mm. that were living with that every day yeah but uh you know with with job mobility so low in this country you know with the way the culture is even Mm. i mean you know it's get it's gotten better you know maybe over the past you know 20 years or so but yeah even now people are still very hesitant to even if they are in a horrible employment situation like the one we just talked about. Yeah, people are still very hesitant to to move on, you know, to find other places to work. So, yeah. Yeah, spe- yeah. I mean, especially if you're in your 50s, as this guy was. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, very low kind of job mobility mm-hmm, in Japan, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Yeah. You know, once you're, once you're kind of at the more senior end of your career. Yeah, yeah, so... Yeah, and hopefully, you know, that, uh, you know, change is slow, but it, uh, it has been changing for the better, I think. So, it's yes, ho- yeah, I hope yeah. that trend continues. But okay, so, hmm. yeah, we'll probably call it about here. Uh, yep. Yeah, thanks for tuning in. So, uh, as always, you can uh, continue the conversation on our socials. We're on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Our username is Real Japan Guys for both of those. Uh, we got a website at The Real. Dot jp and you can email us at mail at thereal.jp and find this podcast on google podcast apple podcast and spotify and also just as a heads up we are doing a new podcast uh it's still it's still early days and we're uh we're still going through the steps to get get a new feed going and all that but uh you should you should be seeing it maybe it'll be a separate feed so so we'll uh we'll talk more about that i guess next time we record this one um yes sir yeah. although 
those very eager listeners can go and check it out actually on Podbean already. So it's not on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts or any of those other uh, major podcast mm-hmm. apps yet. But if you are interested, search for podca- Podbean The Real Japan and you should have a little something extra popping up. All right. Yeah. And for that one, we just talk more about uh, instead of current events, we talk more just about general stuff about living in Japan. Um, so, yeah, it should be something new to, uh, to listen to. So uh, hopefully you'll uh, check that out. But in any case, we'll, uh, we'll see you all again next time on this podcast. Bye bye. Goodbye, listeners.